Okay, good evening, everyone. <laughs> okay. Okay, Pastor Christian just made me even more nervous. <laughs> But I will deal with it. Okay, I see some guests, my torch classmates. Welcome, guys. And God is really humbling me this night. <laughs> oh, Lord. Okay. Okay, let me start today's message with a question for you guys. And turn to your neighbor and ask them and answer the question as well. What are you crazy about? Do it. What are you crazy about? What are you? Don't say Jesus. I know all of you love Jesus. Okay, is everyone done? Okay, let me give you a good example of craziness. Is our, my brother Martin here? Okay, he's not here. Martin is crazy about Tina K. <laughs> Everyone knows that, right? That's a good example of craziness. And I am <laughs> also crazy about something. Unfortunately, um, it's something to do with Jesus. And I spent every single summer and winter vacation during my college doing this thing. Okay, oh, some people really know me. Yes, it is missions. I'm not just talking about overseas trip, which I think is absolutely worth the money and time. But what I, might, what I mean by mission is any occasion or any event, it's geared toward building up the body. building up the church, or meeting the needs of the non-believers, the pre-believers, especially the spiritual needs, right? Anything, outreach, conference, retreat, evangelism, mission trips, oh snap, I love them all. And I'm really crazy about missions. I love missions. And that's what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. And I know that. And because there will be no such thing in heaven when Jesus comes back. Amen? So I really want, wanted to, I always wanted to preach about this thing, missions. And tonight I'm going to do that. And our summer mission trips are coming, right? How many of you are excited about that? Okay. Okay, our church in New Philadelphia is sending out four teams, right? One team to Myanmar. One team to Australia and two teams to Cambodia this summer, right? And let me see uh, how many people actually are going. Raise your hand. If, even though you're not in our church, who's going on mission trip any, to anywhere with anybody? Wow, like majority of us are going. Hallelujah! Woo! <laughs> then let me ask you guys a big question then. Brothers and sisters, um, this is a big question. Why do you go? And what motivates you to go there? I mean, you have to sacrifice your summer. Time, your money, your Saturdays are all gone. Why do you want to go? And there must have been a reason why when you signed up. There must have been a reason why you filled out the form. A reason more than just, oh, because Pastor Christian recommended, or because I have a heart for the poor children, I want to go meet them, or, oh, I had a prophetic dream that I will be there. Those are all good. I bless them. Those are wonderful. But however, I'm not asking about that. 
I'm not asking how you ended up going there. I'm not asking how many confirmations you got from God. And I'm not asking even about your motor, like, like, motor motive, about good heart. I'm not even asking about the purpose or expectations that you have for the trip, which is really good though. Oh, I'm going there to do the miracles. That's great. That's the faith-filled expectation that pleases the Lord. But I think that shouldn't be reason why you are going there. What if God doesn't show you many of them? What if God just closed the door? What if God doesn't just show you the miracles then? Will you just stop going out? Will you stop it? Did you lose your urge to go there? Right? And if God does something different than your plan, what are you going to do? Are you going to stop going? A passion driven merely by the outcome or consequences, even the fruit, mere fruit of the mission trip, is somewhat dangerous in that sense. So, because the consequence of the mission trip it always changes. I've been on five or six different mission trips with JSCM, New Philly. But it always changes. I cannot expect the same thing every time. I don't know God's plan. It's up to His hands. What I am asking right now by why do you go is the ultimate, never changing, the driving force, the reason why we are going there. Did you guys get the question? Okay. Let's make one thing clear here regarding mission trips. Uh, it's just a, it could be just a tip or exhortation for you guys through my experiences at this church. And I know some of us, all we are thinking about regarding mission trip is having fun with the team, trying different kinds of food and culture, and adventurous experiences in third world, or having reunion with the people that I know there, right? And I am also doing that to a certain extent. And I did that a lot in the past. And let's check ourselves, guys. Those things are the natural, very natural outcome of mission trips. That's very true. But they are like the pretty wrapping paper. And are you looking for the wrapper or the content, the gift itself. And do you want an iPod touch wrapped with newspaper? Or do you want iPod like first generation wrapped with like fancy paper and ribbons? What do you want? I want a touch. I want a touch. Do you guys want the touch? Okay, you guys all want iPod touch. (laughs) If you want the wrapper, God will give it to you, but the box might be empty, right? And then instead, if you desire to have that content instead, God will give it to you after he get it wrapped all beautifully. When, I, when it comes down to it uh, about mission trip, mission trips are extremely fun. That is very true. It's extremely fun, and God will graciously allow us to have the time with the team, time with different cultures, as long as our heart's desire, our motive, 
our the very reason why going there is fixed on something higher, something greater than just rapper. Amen? Tonight, I want to talk about that engine, the driving force, the very reason why we love to go. Okay? Okay, let us pray quickly. Oh, Father God, I worship you, oh Lord. Jesus, we just worship you, God. Lord, I just pray that you release the spirit of wisdom and revelation to your people, God, and release the knowledge of Jesus Christ, our Savior, our King, oh God. And Jesus, let my words not be mine, but be yours, oh God. And Jesus, use your humble vessel, use your humble servant. And for the sake of your glory, Lord God, use this time and speak to your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. Okay, let's get on to it. Okay, let's turn to book of Isaiah, chapter 6, verse 1 through 8. Isaiah, chapter 6, verse 1 through 8. And I will break these verses into three parts. So please get your pens ready before we read it, and let's mark it together. Okay, if you have pen, get your pens ready. If you don't have it, it's okay. Okay, let's mark them together. Okay, I divided those verses into three parts. So, verse 1 through 3 is the first chunk. Verse 1 through 3. Isaiah 6, 1 through 3, first chunk. And then 4 through 7 is the second part that I'm going to talk about. And the verse 8 is the third part. 1 through 7, 4 through 7, oh, 1 through 3, 4 through 7, and verse 8. Okay. Let's begin with verse 8. And we will go back to the first verse later. Okay. Is everyone there? Okay. Okay, good. Let's read it together. 1, 2, 3. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then I said, here am I, send me. Here, prophet Isaiah made a similar, very similar decision with a lot of us. He said, I will go, Lord, send me, I will go. And like I said earlier, he must have have a reason why to go there, right? Whatever the God's call is, he is driven by something to go. And he said this firm Bold, such determined statement, there must be a reason why. And to find that out, let's go back to the first verse of the chapter 6. Let's find out the background story. Okay, the first 1 through 7, let's read it together. Um, 1, 2, 3. In the year of the king Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim, each had six wings, and two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Amen. And here, God showed Isaiah a vision of the throne in heaven, the throne of God and the seraphim, meaning angels. 
and some mighty angels are surrounding the throne in heaven. And this Bible is a divine book. More than 800 years later, Apostle John, he wrote about the vision that he saw, and then by reading it, we can easily tell they are talking about the same thing, right? And since uh, John had more specific explanation, let's turn to Revelation chapter 4. This is about the vision that John saw. It's really similar. By the way, this chapter is full of spiritual truth and revelation, so uh, please study it on your own, because we don't have enough time today. I will just look at the uh, things that overlap with what Isaiah saw. Okay. Okay. Revelation chapter four, verse two. Okay. Here, uh, actually, I want to try something new. Can everyone close your eyes? Can everyone close your eyes? And I will read the verses. <laughs> and you use your imagination and just try to imagine the capture, the sin. Okay. Try to imagine. Okay. Verse two. At once I was in the spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven, with one seated on the throne. This is talking about God's throne in heaven. And continue. I will jump to the second half of the verse 6. Listen. And around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures, full of eyes in front and behind. The first living creature like a lion, the second living creature like an ox, the third living creature with the face of a man, and the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within. And day and night, they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Open your eyes. Okay. Wow, do you guys see the glory of God? Who saw the glory of God by imagining it? Did you see it? The glory of the throne of God. The glory of the one who was and is and is to come. And here we see more specific picture of the seraphim too. They are called the living creatures uh, by the record of the John, just different name. And I'm trying to imagine how they look like. How they look like. Uh, animal looking face with six wings and covered with eyes. Hmm. <laughs> Can you imagine? And let me help you guys a little bit. Okay? Ready? Bam! Alright. <laughs> this is a glorious work of our brother Roy. Roy drew it. <laughs> Thank you for allowing me to use it. <laughs> yeah. They would look probably like something like this, but not as cute as this, right? These are actually really cute. <laughs> okay, enjoy it. <laughs> These are really cute, right? These are the living creatures surrounding the throne of God. This yeah, you add your imagination, okay? <laughs> They're just too cute. Okay, and I got some questions. Why did God show this mysterious dues to Isaiah and John? Right? Why did God 
put them all around the throne. Why do they look like that, like animal, you know? What do they do there? And why animal looking, you know? I got all these questions. And let's unlock the questions one by one, okay? Why animal looking? A common saying back in the days of John, it went like this. Listen carefully. The mightiest among the birds is the eagle. The mightiest among the domestic animal is an ox. The mightiest among the wild beasts is the lion. The mightiest of all is man. It was a common saying in those days. And angels looking just like an eagle, lion, ox, and a man are representing all the creatures in heaven and earth. It's representing the creation of the Lord. Then, okay, these are the creation beautiful work of the Lord, then have you wondered why they have so many eyes then? They're like covered with those eyes. What do eyes do, guys? Yeah, they see. What they see? They see what? What else can these eyes see with the glory of the Lord up there, surrounding the throne? What can they see but glory? And the creatures are surrounding the throne, right? And how can they take their eyes off the throne? It's impossible. And the glory of God is there, and God himself is sitting upon the throne. What else can those eyes can do but gazing upon the beauty, majesty, and glory of our God? You know, those eyes are looking at the glory of God. And God has placed many, many, many eyes upon those bodies because the glory of God must be seen, right? It's not to be hidden or covered, but meant to be seen by many, many eyes. The eyes of all the creatures in heaven and earth. If it sounds too holy for you guys, let me give you another example. Okay, just think about a good movie. When Star Trek was playing in the theater, um, how many of you guys watched that movie, Star Trek? Did you guys enjoy it? I liked it, but eyes... Eyes are automatically following something good, something glorious, and something great, right? Eyes are following those things. And when a great movie is playing, thousands of eyeballs are gathering in a theater to watch the movie, right? And knowing the fact, when a director makes a movie, you know, the purpose of it is to draw as many eyes as possible. A movie is meant to be seen by eyes, right? If nobody watches the movie, What's the use of it? Who makes the movies, right? Does that make sense? Glory is meant to be seen, okay? And now, why are the living creatures surrounding the throne? Why are they positioned like that? God has placed the living creatures, the words that, at each side of the throne because the glory of God is meant to be seen from all directions, not just from east, not just from south, but from all directions. Amen? And that's why those living creatures are positioned like that. Glory is meant to be seen by the eyes of every nation, every tongue, and every tribe from all directions. And glory is not meant to be held, but to spread to all directions as further as possible. 
When we sense God's glory during worship, oh, I sense God's glory. What do you do? What do we do? Oh, glory. No. Hey, well, what do you do? Yes, that's right. We shout it out. We shout it out, right? When we see the glory of God, we shout it out, right? Let's do it. Say glory, guys. Glory. Okay, I like it. <laughs> okay, we shout it out. We shout it out. My English is something wrong. Okay. <laughs> we shout it out. That's the essence of the glory. And when you have a glorious testimony, hey, what do you do? Dear diary, today, no, I do not do that. I go tell everyone. I wait for the open mic and I share, you know, I go tell everyone, I spread the word. You know what God did for me last week? I start sharing to everyone that I met. Actually, I really have a good testimony from last week, which is really victorious. Oh, some people know. (laughs) I went bike riding for the first time in my life. And I learned how to ride a bike in less than 30 minutes. Ooh, it's decent, right? Check out the video on Facebook, okay? <laughs> if you haven't seen it yet. And if you don't know about my fear about sports and anything about wheels, it was severe. And I just grew up playing no sports, no physical activity, because I felt like I was literally disabled. I cannot do this. That was that severe. And I never even imagined riding a bike. But then I later found out that it's not a physical problem, not mental either. But I learned that it is a spiritual bondage upon my life. Mm. And last few months, I kept on having these dreams of myself riding a bike by Hangang. Right? I was like just riding a bike, even though I don't know how to. So I was like, Lord, I want that, but I don't know how to, you know. That was a bondage in my life. And then, you know, this, the dream has come true, and the lies are conquered. Hallelujah, my fear is gone now. Oh, my goodness. And I will learn how to swim, I'll learn how to ice skate, I will learn how to play tennis. This is victorious, amen? Okay, going back to my sermon. Oh. <laughs> Okay, where am I? Okay, yes, when you have a testimony, you go and share. You tell everyone. You just share it. Even in the middle of the sermon, like me, right? You go tell them. Glory is meant to be shared. And glory is meant to go to all directions. Amen? Okay. And the living creatures, immediately after they see the glory of God, the throne, they sing and they worship never cease to stop and, and never cease to never cease to worship <laughs> they just never cease singing and they show us the purpose of the created the purpose of the creation we are to see the glory and in response we are to worship him unceasingly just like those living creatures amen <sighs> Okay, I talked about glory a lot, right? So, what's about mission? Let's go back to mission. Do you remember verse 8? Isaiah said, Here am I, send me, Lord. You know why? Because earlier, 
he saw the glory of God. And more than that, he understood that glory is meant to be seen from all the creature of heaven and earth. He understood that. All the eyes from all directions, they must look at the glory of God. Lord sent me to North Korea. Your glory must be seen by those people. That's got to be our confession. Lord sent me to Myanmar. Your glory must be seen by those people, God. And Isaiah, he wanted to go because the glory just captured his heart. And just think about it. Every people from every nation looking at the throne of God and worshiping him unceasingly all together. Isn't that glorious? Isn't that glorious? It just captured my heart. I hope yours too. It just captured my heart. I adore the glory. That's got to be our confession. And I just want your glory to be seen from every people, from every nation. Isn't that a good reason? Isn't that a good reason? And let's go back to Isaiah 6, 4 through 7, the second chunk, the second part. And this scene, it may sound familiar to you because we all have gone through the similar experiences, similar moments. Let's read it together. Four through seven, one, two, three. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And I said, woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of uncleanness. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having a burning core that he, uh, from the altar. And he touched my... <laughs> Guilt is taken away and your sins atoned for. Amen. Isaiah saw the holiness and glory of God. In verse 1 through 3. And shortly after, he realized how sinful, unclean he was. And by saying, woe to me, he thought that he was going to just die there. Because in the Old Testament, when men saw the glory of God, they died on the spot. So he was expecting it. Oh, I'm going to die. I saw the glory of God. But what happened instead of death? Verse 6, a burning call from the altar came and touched his mouth. And it says, his guilt was taken away and seen atoned for. A call, it purifies. And a burning call, it purges. The angel took it from the altar. From where? the place of atonement and redemption. As it touched him, he was saved at this spot. And Isaiah saw the holiness of God and glory of God, and his immediate response was realization of sinful nature. I'm sinful, I'm unclean. And then the salvation came. And what is your story? Is your story similar? Mine is very similar. In 2005, one spring day, I was a freshman in college. And we used to have the Saturday early morning prayer at JSCM. 
And then I was there. I don't know why. But not knowing why, I was just there. And after everyone left the sanctuary, I was at the, at the very back. And for some reason, the screen was on. Somebody just forgot to turn it off. And the cross was on the screen. And I, as I was meditating, meditating on the cross, um, for some reason, God just gave me this revelation uh, of his holiness and his greatness. And at that point, I just understood what the saving phrase really means. And I just fell on my knees and I confessed, Lord, I'm a sinner. I'm sinful. I'm unclean. Lord, I don't deserve your love. And I asked him, why did you die for me? Actually, in Korean, 한국말로, 왜 저같은 것 때문에 죽으셨어요? I kept on saying that. 왜 저같은 것 때문에 죽으셨어요? And um, why did you die for me? That was my confession from my heart. After I looked at the glory, and then salvation came, just like Isaiah. Just like Isaiah. <clears throat> and my salvation came just like Isaiah's. And I was given a new life that day. Amen? <laughs> and even though Isaiah was born after Jesus, was in Old Testament, right? But what we saw, what Isaiah saw, and what I saw, and what you all saw, is the same thing. Isn't Jesus the glory of God? Isn't the Lamb the complete, the perfect manifestation of God's glory? Isn't cross the glory? Right? So we all looked at the same thing. We got the salvation. We got the new life from that point on. And again, in verse 8, Isaiah cries out to God, Here am I, send me. And because he was given, he didn't earn it, was given a new life and to leave out the call of God. He was given a new life to leave out the call of God. And God doesn't just give a new life, but he also gives you the call so that you may follow the call throughout your life. That new life is supposed to be used for the call that God has given you. If you watch um, Korean drama, especially the old ones, there are always a uh, 사장님, a rich man, a CEO there, and there's always a like a person like his right arm, like safety guard or like secretary or somebody, and that guy is so loyal to his CEO to the point of death. Have you have you ever seen those dramas with with those guys in? It's very common, common story. But usually the underlying story is that the CEO actually saved his life from like, I don't know, child abuse, drug, car accident, or death, or something like that. <laughs> and when he, when the guy looks back, it's just natural to think that, oh, if my 사장님 had not been there, I just would have died there, you know? <laughs> if he were, had been, if my 사장님 hadn't been there for me, I would be living miserable life today. And in his, in just in his eyes, the CEO, the 사장님 gave him just a new life, you know? It's like a bonus life. You had already lost it, but then you got it from somebody else. That's a 공짜, right? It's just bonus, 공짜. And it creates amazing amount of loyalty, right? And faithful service to the point of death. You have already lost it. In that sense, do you see what happened to Isaiah? 
after he received the saving grace. When he deserved punishment, God instead gave him atonement. And when he well deserved condemnation, God instead gave him redemption. And as Christians, each one of us has a new life. We are living out that new life. And because Jesus made everything new, we have it. We have it. And that's why we can call ourselves born-again Christians. We are truly born again. They died to sin and resurrected with Christ. And they used to be slaves to sin, but have become slaves to righteousness. And for these people, just like what Paul said, to live is Christ and to die is gain. In Galatians 2.20, it puts it like this. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. And because it is not mine anyways, my life is not mine anyways, I will use it for you and for your interest and for your kingdom. And that's the power of living a new life given by God. And don't you see it in Apostle Paul's life? His new life was sold out for the Lord's call. The calling, bringing good news to the Gentiles. He was just sold out. And Isaiah actually had a diff- very difficult call. It's somewhat different from ours. His call was to harden the hearts of the people at that time until the day of the judgment. That's all. Difficult call. He has to harden the hearts of the Israelites, right? But it doesn't matter. He didn't care what the call was about. He just followed. He just followed. His life was not his anymore. And if you are one of those born-again believers, and don't ever doubt that you have a call from God. You do have Don't ever doubt that. And God didn't just save you without plan. He saved you with specific plan and calling. And there is a specific call just for your life. Right? And there are things like general calls for all the believers to share. Be a light and salt right, in the world. That's a general call. And love your neighbors. Love your enemies. That's a general call. But there is one that's called a great commission. That's the great call for all the church, all the born-again believers to share. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all the things that I command you. And surely, I will be, uh, am I right? <laughs> okay, surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Amen. If you are living a bonus life, that gongja life from God, by the saving grace, don't neglect this call. This is for everyone. This is for us, for you. It's the same voice of God who called Isaiah saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? It is the same God who was and is and is to come. The same voice of God. And again, 
Why do we go? I want to go, God, because I was given this new life and this new call. And I just want to consume my life to fulfill it, to follow the call. Isn't that a good reason? And I believe God has shown us, God has poured out His fire on this church. And God showed this church new Philly the glory of God, glory of God at the retreat, at every Sunday, you know, miracle crusade, fire crusade, kingdom first. We have seen the glory of God, amen? We have seen it. We saw the glory of God. We saw it. But we must understand at this point that it's just not for us to keep it within us. We are not to hide it, but to go make it sin by many. And I believe what we are, <clears throat> I believe we are the ones who are living the new life with the mighty calling of the Lord. We are to rise up like Isaiah did. And now we are compelled by those unshakable, unshakable reasons why we must go. And we are just compelled to say to God, just like Isaiah, here am I, Lord, send me. With the joyful surrender, send me, God. And as I was, as I was preparing for this message, it was really challenging. My finals, papers, my homework, uh, it drove me crazy. But then I was really desperate. And then I was praying, Lord, give me something. <laughs> I got preach. Give me something. And I saw this vision, very vivid vision of a huge cross standing in the middle of the city. And it was just much, much taller than any other buildings. It was a huge cross. And then the ground that the cross, the, the shadow of the cross touched upon, they all turned into road. So the shadow of the cross was actually the road. And I found myself standing in the road. I saw me, oh, that's me. And then I turned and I started walking toward the tip of the cross. I was like walking. And then it was a day, and then the sun started going down. Sunset. Sun was started going down, and then the shadow of the cross got longer and longer, and started reaching further and further as I was following the tip of the cross. And I didn't need much of explanation about that. Brothers and sisters, we are living in end times. It's a sunset time. The sun is actually going down. It is really going down. And Jesus, our King, will return soon. He is coming. And I cried out to God after I saw that, Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Come back. But I felt like all I heard back from him was the louder cry. The louder cry. It seemed like he was just yearning for the church, the bride, so much more than we are. He was like, I want to come back. He was like crying even louder than me. And then Second Peter 3, 9, he says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, 
but that all should reach repentance. And Jesus is patiently, day by day, waiting for the church to reach to every nation, every tribe, and every tongue. Amen? He's just waiting. And we are the bright generation. I am the bride of Christ. And we are, the church is the bride of Christ. A bride generation, we must ready ourselves for the wedding banquet. It is coming so soon. And do you miss Jesus? Ask yourself, do I miss Jesus Christ? And do I really want him to come back and be with me face to face? Do I miss Jesus? If you do, go and make disciples of all the nations. Go recruit the army. Go ready the bride. Go find the missing parts of the body. That is our call for today. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, we cry out today, O oh Lord God, joining the four living creatures, O oh Lord, crying out to you, holy, holy, holy is the God, Lord God Almighty, you are holy, O oh Lord. And Jesus, the earth is filled with your glory, Lord God, and we see it everywhere we go, O oh Lord God. We see it by the wind, by the sky, the beautiful people, oh Lord. We see your glory filling this earth, oh Lord God, everywhere, oh Lord. And Jesus, but not every eyes are looking at those glories, oh God. Even though the earth is filled with your glory, oh Lord God, not every eye is looking at them, oh Lord. Jesus, they just don't know. And Father God, compelled by your glory, Compelled by your love, O oh Lord. Compelled by having just the joy of knowing your name, O oh Lord. Having a new life, O oh Father. And just to fulfill the call of you, O oh Father. We just want to go out. Here am I. Send me, O oh Lord God. Let that be our cry. Let that be our confession for today, O oh Lord God. At this end time, O oh Lord, we want to go. And I want to stand. All the people, all the nations, Father, Lord God, see the glory of the Lord, the throne of God and the living creatures are like a crying out, oh Lord. And Jesus, I just want every single person, every single tribe, every single nation join their worship with us, oh God. Not just New Philly, not just the churches in Korea, oh Lord, but every single church and nation gathering together, oh God, worshiping you. Come, Lord Jesus, come. The bride is ready, oh Lord. Let that be our cry for this day, oh God. Lord, I just lift up, oh Lord God, the four teams that you are sending out, Lord God, to Myanmar, Australia, and Cambodia, oh Lord God. We expect greater things, oh Lord God, because we are going there with the right, with the right motive, oh Lord, with the right reason, because we know what the reasons are, oh Father. And Jesus, we will go, and we will see your glory, even the bigger glory, oh Father, there, Lord. Thank you, Father, Lord. That you are a gracious king. That you are the one who sent your son and redeemed us, oh God. Jesus, as we live this new life with the new call, Lord, let us not 
forget the call. Let us not neglect the call ever, Lord God. But let us, Father, Lord God, remember the great commission, oh Lord God, every single day. And Lord, whatever we do, oh Father, let us remember that. Let us go make disciples. Let us go. Let us go further and further. Father, we praise you in your glory. This is beautiful, God. Let your glory shine at this church, oh Lord. Continue to Reveal, continue to reveal more of your glory, Lord. Father, we love you. In your son's mighty and precious name we pray. Amen.